Hi, I'm Lisa Davis, and I am so happy to be back with Talk Healthy Today. I'm absolutely thrilled, and I am also thrilled to have the fantastic Natasha Scripture on the program. We're going to be talking about her book, Man Fast. And if you've listened to me, whether it be on Talk Healthy, It's Your Health, or Naturally Savvy, you know I love a memoir, and this one is incredible. Natasha, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, it's so great to have you on. I just dove right into your book. I absolutely loved it. And I just cracked up in the prologue when the first question that your mother asked you, you were it was midnight in Pakistan, and she, she you guys were on a Skype, a choppy Skype call, and her first question was, any cute boys? And here you are doing this incredible humanitarian work around the world. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's such a mom. <laughs> It's such a mom thing. I'm like going to Squat Valley, which is like such a dangerous, exciting place. And she's like, I just wish you'd meet someone and settle down. I'm like, mom, I have this incredible career. Can't you see that? Um, and it's so funny because as I, you know, when I went to India and stuff in the book, all my cousins and my aunts and uncles are all the same. Like, when are you going to get married? I'm like, but don't you think it's cool what I'm doing? <laughs> so it's um, a cultural thing, I guess. I mean, she, as, as you see in the book, she's obsessed with the Swiss tennis player Roger Federer. Oh, yes. <laughs> I said she wanted me to marry him. I said he's already married with multiple children, but basically she wanted me to meet like a, you know, multimillionaire. So... <laughs> Well, you know, it, it's it was it's just such an incredible journey. First of all, I really admire your passion, your uh, ability to really look within yourself and say, okay, what works for me? Not what works for my mom, what works for, you know, society and what women are supposed to do, but what what works for me. And I was so I was so saddened, you know, when I read about the death of your father and how close you are. And I love how you write. They say that traumatic moments can either drive us away from or towards our true selves, that it usually takes some sort of trauma or catalyst to push people where they needed to be pushed, where they've been resisting going, and I needed to go very deep inside in order to come back out in one full piece. So talk to us a little bit about this and, and how that shaped the journey. And of course, we'll get into uh, the title of the book and what that means as well. Yeah, I mean, there were so many things that happened to, to you know, lead me to feel that I just, I needed to do some real soul searching and some real inner work, I think, you know, there was this, the death of a parent is really, um, you know, a transformative experience. I mean, some people liken the book to midlife crisis and maybe, maybe it is one and that's fine. I mean, it's not just men that get to have the midlife crises, right? But I really felt that, you know, for years and years, I worked as an aid worker for the UN, as we mentioned, and I'd encountered a lot of grief along the way, right? You know, I've been in disaster zones in Haiti, Ethiopia. I'd seen, you know, children suffering from famine, people who'd been made refugees. Um, I never really took the time to kind of sit with my emotions because you actually can't do that when that's your job because you can't break down because you need to keep going. And so I got used to kind of living in this frantic way because you almost don't want to meet yourself and explore what's underneath. And I think a lot of people do avoid it, right? We, we repress, oppress. Um, but when my father passed away, I just didn't really have a choice anymore. Um, I really felt that I needed to go inward. I needed to take some time and live in with like a deeper awareness. That was what was driving the whole journey. And I also felt that I had been frantically trying to meet a guy in New York. Um, I wanted to have kids before my dad passed away. It was all like very um, t 
trying, I was trying to control it too much. And I just got so burned out from the search for the one. And that was also, that's why the book is called Man Fast, right? Because I, I was just going to fast for men. But my friend was like, you know what? This book is really about your dad. You know that, right? So it, I mean, I'd like to say it's about everything because it really is about so much, you know? Yeah, it really is. Well, I know what you mean about the death of a parent. Um, when I was in my 20s, I was just like lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I'd studied anthropology, which basically meant I couldn't get a job or that's how I saw it. And mm-hmm. I was waitressing, which is fine. And 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 I knew my mom was disappointed, like she wanted more for me. And then she got uh, ovarian cancer when I was 25. And then she died when I was 28. And it was after that that I'd always had an interest in health, and uh, I went back to school and got my master's in public health and studied health media and health um, education. And but it, it was it was like I just knew that it wasn't just for her, but it was for me too. But it took a little while. I had to kind of figure out what my passion was. But it's tough now because I think, oh my gosh, she missed everything. Yeah, it's tough. It's so tough, and I'm so sorry to hear about that, especially at such a young age. And you know, I feel like my dad always loved my writing, and he'd be so excited to know that I wrote a book. And you know, it's just, it's sad. It's sad that he's they're not here to witness what's happening in our lives. But you know, a lot of what I think about, um, you know, moving forward is like we have to alchemize our painful experiences into wisdom, right? I mean, we have a choice to do that, I and mean, we can. I always think, you know, my dad, like he would not want me to sit in mourning. He would not. That's the last thing he would have wanted for me. I mean, of course, I'm going to be sad. I'll be sad about it forever. But um, at the end of the day, like, you know, he would be so happy that, you know, I was thriving in this way. And I think, you know, it, it is a, it's dark. It's very dark to have grief. And we all have grief, but it also forces you to go deeper, right? I always said, you know, I we have to first of all accept our dark parts and you know instead of acting like everything's okay like i have shame i have grief you know i have disappointment but also know that you know everyone else is going through the same thing we can't let's not try to be perfect right and i after you know when i started really work through this grief and stuff i thought i can only be with someone like if i'm going to partner up with someone who's been to the depths and back who could really even reach those depths. Do you know what I mean? Until something like that happens to you, you're just, you're coasting, you're living a superficial life. I mean, you don't really know it, but it's just what happens. And then when we experience a tragedy, like the loss of a loved one, we just come back so much more rich and layered and wise. You know, it's interesting that you said the light and dark, because I took a bunch of notes and one of them was about Maya. And you write, tell us a little about Maya. And then you you write in the book uh, that we that she believes that we all have light and dark within us. And it is a matter of beaming light. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Maya is someone, you know, I, I work on farm uh, or actually on a vineyard on Mount Etna for a few months. I know. Sounds great. Um, I wanted it to reconnect with nature. It was amazing. Though I was actually abstaining from drinking as part mm. of my, you know, effort to be healthy and um you know, invest in my well-being because I've been, I think, drinking way too much in New York City and all these crazy dates. But um, <laughs> yeah, the whole nother book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> but Maya was a really interesting character, and the reason I connected with her so much was that 
she was like so many things. She was a multitude of things. She wasn't one culture, one ethnicity. She lived all over the world. She was a glow mad, um, you know, and I thought, and she was really had done the work too. She'd been through like a couple of divorces. And I think divorce is another catastrophic event that like really breaks you open and makes you go deep and do a lot of internal work. And you come back out so much richer. And so, yeah, she said that thing about light and dark, but when you look at any kind of um, spiritual or belief system. If you look at even a Hinduism, you know, there's Shiva and Shakti. You've got the Shiva, the male consciousness, the male principle, and then you've got Shakti, the creator, the activating power, the feminine principle. Um, so, you know, there's light and dark is talked about in so many different belief systems. And I mean, that that is the thing. That's why I say, you know, we can't just have joy in life. We have to have sorrow. You don't just have one thing, you know, that's what makes life complete, right? Is to have both. It's not like you seek sorrow, but that's just a part of life, right? Yeah, I I totally agree. You know, one of the things that all, there's so much that struck me. Another part that was after you were talking about Maya and you were talking about how during your conversations, she would just come up with these really, you know, I love this, you know, small shards of wisdom. And you said, I love how you say, what I was feeling perhaps was simply a longing for wholeness in the presence of another, yet there was so much to do internally before I got there. I had resisted gr- processing my grief, resisted exploring my fears around commitment, resisted my emotions for certain people, but I was starting to live through them now. They were bubbling up the way that lava does, hot and determined. And then you go on to talk about how you realize that you sabotage any viable relationships you had in your 20s and early 30s. Talk to us about that that lava, because... I feel like that that was for me too. I really didn't process my mother's death or grieve it that much. I think until I had my daughter and 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 or met my husband and then had my daughter and then I'm like, "Oh my gosh, where's my, you know, what what how can I do this? What is happening?" And then also I understand about sabotaging relationships as well. Yeah, I mean, I think for it's it's so much to think through, but like I always felt, you know, there was so much I wanted to do in life. And I had this misconception that I couldn't, for example, be a writer or do the things I wanted to do and be in a healthy relationship. And I do think that it would have been very hard to bounce around the world as an aid worker and maintain a relationship. In fact, you know, it's very conducive to having these short, fleeting um, kind of liaison with people in the field. This is what what everyone does when they're doing these, um, you know, these short-term assignments, right? Um, so, and it's kind of addictive. You never have to really like delve deep with someone because, you know, when you're in a relationship, like I'm in a relationship now, it's like, oh, okay. Like you have someone reflecting back to you everything that's wrong with you. Right. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, the thing is, you know, I just wanted freedom for such a long time. And I think that was why I kept shutting down relationships and, and also it just didn't feel right. You know, everything's timing. I just wasn't ready, you know? Um, so I think that that was part of it. And I, I think, you know, if I'd pick someone in my early 20s or even like, I don't think I would have picked the right person for me just because I feel like I've changed so much. I don't even recognize who I was back then. Right. You know? Um, yeah, we do change a lot. That's why I always tell people don't get married too early because you change a lot. Exactly. And I hadn't really like started this, you know, spiritual work. And, um, you know, I think that there's, you know, I, I just would have picked the right, I wouldn't have worked out. I mean, I'm not to say that someone can't meet someone in their twenties, but I just don't see why rush, you know? Um, but you know, I, I felt like for a while, I and mean, one of the other big messages in the book was like, you know, as women, we're all, we're kind of told, you know, that we have to meet someone to be complete. And in a way, this book is about standing up against 
cultural forces like that that make us feel like there's some that we're insignificant or something's wrong with us that we're second class citizens if we don't kind of check that box of being in a relationship or getting married but my thing was like I don't you know we grew up reading rom you know reading stories fairy tales watching rom-coms but I think um my main message is that no Prince Charming is ever gonna come in my life and save me and that is the, my main message is that we have to save ourselves. I had to save myself from the grief that I was feeling. I was not, I was so devastated. Like no one else could do that work for me. I mean, it's, it's something else. Then we have to save ourselves from our egos, right? Like in this whole compare despair thing, then we have to, you know, save ourselves from, you know, any monotony we're experiencing, despondency, fears, you know? So we have so much to do on our own before we get to that place really ready and fully whole and connected to ourselves in order to meet someone else. That's what I believe at least. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think I was lucky in that when I met my husband, he was just so amazing. I'm really big on sharing the same values and and caring about people. And he worked on a suicide hotline for years and he's just really smart and kind. And that was what I was looking for. Even though I knew I was still a little screwed up, I had some sex and love addiction issues that I was, you know, I had overcome to a point, but I was still seeking attention in unhealthy ways. So I got into therapy after I met him. And he was super supportive. We've been together uh, 19 years, married 21 years, and we're still having fun. Somebody who shares your values, who like doesn't make you feel like a lunatic if you're going through stuff. Like we're all, I love this Japanese concept I talk about in the book called Wabi Sabi. It's like the art of imperfection, like seeing the beauty in imperfection. And it's like, if you can just see the beauty in someone else who's imperfect, I mean, that's, that's, that's going to help you so much in your relationship. Like even my partner now, like we're, you know, neither of us are perfect. And I, sometimes I see his imperfections. I'm like, but I love him so much. It like really doesn't matter. And I actually love his imperfections because that's what makes him human. You know, you don't want anyone who's perfect or who pretends to be perfect or seems perfect. That's like really boring. Yeah, I agree. And I have to say, you are absolutely stunning. Uh, so yeah. I would think, no, I mean, honestly, I'm thinking you might, you know, just get hit on right, left and center. So for me, with the issues that I had and and, and seeking attention in that way, I would have found a man fast really hard, but it was exactly what I had needed. As a matter of fact, when I met my husband, we were set up by friends and I said, you know what? I've gone from guy to guy and I need a break. And they're like, you don't understand. Like they sat me down for over an hour and went on and on and on. And I'm like, fine, fine. I'll have dinner. And then we've been together ever since. So I never had that period where I was without somebody. And so sometimes, I mean, I wouldn't trade what I have, but there is that, oh, I should have worked on myself more, but I have worked on myself, but there's that kind of, I, I'm envious that you've had this freedom. I know I went from your being gorgeous to like a totally different thing, but <laughs> I think you know what I'm saying. <laughs> a lot of Photoshopping happening on my website, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't really feel like I get hit on a lot, but I mean, to your point about like, you know, having that space I mean, you, any healthy relationship, I think should allow you to do that work on yourself while you're in the relationship. There's no reason why we can't work on ourselves. Like the person I'm with right now, he's also, he's a healer. He's a doctor. He's, you know, lived in Afghanistan. He's done, I mean, he gets where I'm coming from. And he also, you know, we go to meditation on Wednesday nights at Tara Brock. And we, we do a lot of things together that are, you know, we see as investments in our spiritual growth because we're having a baby next month. We oh want to be my goodness. How yeah. exciting. It is exciting and it's overwhelming. It's like, we just, we want to make the best decisions, you know, for her. And like, 
you know, there's just so much you're up against when you're about to become a parent, obviously, like, you know, even just around vaccines and all this stuff. But I feel like in order to have a healthy relationship, I have to stay connected to myself and he has to stay connected to his self. We both done our beforehand, but it's like, you're never really done. You know, it's like self-work is daily work. Unfortunately, it's not like you just take a box. So, you know, I think it's a luxury to be able to do what I did, which was just take the time. But I was single. It's like, might as well take advantage of it, you know, not having a partner and then just traipsing around the world and, and doing the soul searching. And I have to say, I, I live vicariously through you in, in the traipsing around the world. What amazing stories and adventures and experiences that you had. It's so enriching. Well, thank you. I, yeah, I just, there's a lot of abundance and I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like I was stepping into this flow when I started surrendering. I talk about surrender a lot in the book and I just sort of stopped trying to plan and control and force things in my life. I think when I was living in New York, I just had this approach that was just backfiring. And then when I just left for India, I just kind of let go. I'm like, you know what? This is just where I am in my life. And this is just how I'm feeling. And I started journaling a lot and I just kind of felt it was also restorative. And then, you know, one thing would lead to another. And I was like, Oh, I got a photography assignment in Tanzania. Great. I wanted to go there. I always wanted to go on a safari. And I was thought I do it on my honeymoon, but I might not get married. So I'll just marry myself and go on a honeymoon safari by myself. So you. You know, <laughs> yeah, that was actually the most expensive part of my year. But um, it yeah, was I bet. when are you to do that again? And, and and that's the other thing. I was single and I didn't have a baby on the way. And it's like, all right, I had saved money. Might as well just blow it on this. I mean, it's better than doing it on like a, a Gucci purse, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, I never get that. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I, second, I I shop all secondhand. Better for me, better for the environment. So I don't, I don't get it. Maybe I will find a fancy purse, but it's secondhand <laughs> and a lot exactly. cheaper. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, you made me laugh out loud. We only have a couple of minutes, but I have to read this because I thought it was so funny. Uh, you could argue that I'd been disqualifying plenty of men in New York, even after a first date for arguably trivial reasons, for licking his fingers after we ordered yucca fries, both hands multiple times, for repeatedly calling me by the wrong name, Natalie, uh, for eating meat off a stick, for carrying a large wad of $1 bills in his pocket, for being my height 5'3", for having a face slightly paralyzed by Botox, for, for wearing a beanie at dinner, uh, for snorting coke in the bathroom between courses for being on Atkins for not having eyelashes uh, for asking me for a blow job and then you have others I was cracking up I think that yucca fries I mean come on that you are not those are not trivial reasons both hands multiple times asking you for a blow job come on <laughs> I, mean, really? I mean it's crazy I feel like that list I could have gone on and on the whole book, could have been <laughs> the whole book. I think you should <laughs> I could be totally on board yeah I mean I just couldn't believe how many ridiculous experiences I I, I was having dating and my you know I tell my mom about she's like that I don't believe you you must not be hanging out in the right places. Oh, like, brother. Big weirdos out there. Um, no, that's all true. And like, yeah, do I want to be with someone who literally licks his fingers like constantly? No, I don't. I don't. And I feel like I feel like we can have deal breakers, maybe not so many. I mean, I think my list was pretty long of, of qualities I was seeking in a man for a while, and I, I trimmed it down significantly. It was like someone who's like breathing. No, but um, – <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're a fair share of terrible dates. And, you know, even now it's like, no, I think being single is just as good as being in a relationship, but I'm, we're both, both of us, my partner, we're just happy not to be on Tinder or anything like that anymore. We're just like, we're going to make this relationship work. (laughs) So we don't have 
<laughs> well, it sounds like you're doing incredible together. I'm super excited. You're having a girl. Uh, my girl is 14, and uh, I love having a girl. The book is Man Fast, Natasha Scripture, a memoir. I just think you're incredible. I'd love to have you back anytime. Natasha, tell us all the ways we can find you, your book, and uh, all your stuff online. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. I've had a great time. Um, you can order my book on Amazon, so it's available now. Also, if you'd like to find out more about me and my journey, you can visit my website at www.natashascripture.com. I'm also on Twitter at natscript. And I've been using Instagram as well at Natasha Scripture. I want to thank everyone for listening to Talk Healthy today. I'm so glad that you're here. Natasha, thanks again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Talk Healthy Today. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much.